Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Dutton. I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Do you have a moment? I do. I do. Excellent. So do I. Okay. So do you know what's ridiculous? Yes. Please, go first and tell me then. Remember a couple weeks ago you were saying something about having like a food named after you, weren't you? Yeah. And I couldn't remember. I couldn't Sounds like out. something I would say. Right. And I was like, I don't know, because yeah. I can't think on the mm-hmm. spot. I thought about it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. Sandwiches. Yeah, oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. yes, I, don't I remember, remember the question. what it was. It was some... if, if you were to have a food be named after, after yeah, you, what it would food? Have and to I be said some, Jello. have to be some sort of sandwich. Because I love sandwiches. That's for you. And you know what's really cool? Hmm. Rotating sandwiches. Rotating like on a lazy Susan? Rotatingsandwiches.com. Oh, my God. Now, this isn't a mashup. Oh, unless really? you're going to talk about amazing sandwiches and amazing internet. Oh, so this is not a mashup. No, it's not a mashup. Oh, my, is it my birthday? Yeah, take a deep breath. Just Producer you know, Dave, can we just take a moment and really just it? luxuriate in this? Because this is amazing. <laughs> it's not a mashup. <sighs> okay. Ooh, okay, thank you. So rotatingsandwiches.com. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Andrew O'Brien apparently told uh, Instagram, specifically our Instagram, yeah. about it. Okay. Rotatingsandwiches.com. If you go to I this, still don't understand the rotating part. Well, if you go to the website, it's uh-huh. just like one r- sandwich spinning after another. So wait, it's just pictures of spinning sandwiches yeah, or like up gifts? My laptop to oh, show wow. You. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's like, you it's know, a- sandwich party. It's amazing. Now, there's some interesting oh, I like the slow things. spin. It's yeah, really some are slow. There's one seductive. here that's like a burrito that's kind of like spinning out and having an acid flashback. And that's the thing, too. Is a burrito sandwich? I don't want to get into that whole debate. I'm just going to say it's not. It's an interesting choice to make them all spin in the same direction. See, I would yeah. be tempted to have them spinning in different directions. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Okay, so we got that website. Yeah. And that I just went down a, a rabbit hole on this, okay. as I want you to do. You love sandwiches. I love sandwiches. I love rotating sandwiches. And you I like, love rabbit holes. And I like weird stuff. So, yeah. uh, And I love investigating. So there's also um, this uh, Bobber WCC is a YouTuber. Okay. Just tubing it up. Nice. Good for uh, tubes. This person makes rotating sandwich uh, videos. <laughs> also, there's like rotating cakes. All right. But the rotating sandwich videos are accompanied by Nintendo music. Is this like visual ASMR? I think so. And the some of them are like, oh, I don't feel so good. And some are like, oh, that looks really good. <laughs> like the grease on some of them are like, oh, ooh, queasy. But yeah, I can't play it because I don't think Slow that we... Slow dripping grease I think there's a copyright on the Nintendo music. I don't know. Oh. Um, but yeah, so it spins and then there's just Nintendo music playing. Here, hmm. I'll play a second and you can just bleep it out, Dave. And then there's sandwiches yeah and there's just right now there's just a sandwich spinning <laughs> so okay that's it that's ridiculous it's really you're ur- welcome really thank you urgent. people thanks andrew o'brien that's good i like that i one. know it's good that's why i said it. art <sighs> wow okay well I, you got a second sure close your laptop i got one for you yes all right quincy jones 
ridiculous. No. No. no his interviews, ridiculous. Oh, my God, yes. But that's another story. Uh, we should actually cover his interviews, just his interviews. <laughs> just Anyway, so Quincy Jones called this man one of the first rappers. Okay. All right. Now, Bob Dylan said he changed his life. When Bob Dylan wrote his autobiography, uh, he said that, quote, this man was the fuel to my success. Really? Yes. And the first rapper? Yes, I know. Wild, right? But not only that, this same guy also inspired my man, Henry Miller. He also fired the madcap imaginations of Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams. Wait, wait, what? He also inspired uh, the iconoclast uh, Ken Kesey, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin. Uh, also, your dude, Jerry Garcia. Oh, yeah. He said that this cat was, quote, like a medicine man, a shaman. Jerry also said... I feel that Lord Buckley is an almost lost resource. He was on the track. Huh. That's right. My man, get ready to hear about the lost cultural resource, Lord Buckley. Yes. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Yes. Elizabeth. Yes. Lord Buckley. Sure. He was a rare one. He was a rare one's rare one. Mm -hmm. This dude is often credited for being one of the first in our culture to combine high and low culture. Okay. He was known for like rephrasing Shakespeare with street slang. Uh, he combined Baudelaire with Charlie Parker. Now, did you mention him once? I feel like in the San Francisco Mime Troupe, did you mention yes, him in passing? And I, I didn't know so. who he was. And okay, so was he too was too lazy to look it up. He's a comic, a stand-up comedian, but that's not really a fitting like description of him. Yeah, like, uh, he was the the Walt Whitman of the nightclub set. Mm -hmm. He was the pot smoking bard of mid-century America. Okay, All right. I know I'm using grand terms. Well, you terms. know, if you say Walt Whitman, I'm in. Exactly. Also, this guy was a, he was very much a California guy. He was, and then I'm triply in. Yeah, he's Pete California for you. He was uh, he was born on an Indian reservation in 1906 in the gold mining town of Tuolumne. Oh, I know where that yeah, is. Yeah, he was uh, one of nine kids. Par both of his parents were British, uh, but he was raised in California. He was a Bay Area fixture for a while. His last home was in San Rafael. Huh. Uh, not coincidentally, uh, his best known material he recorded in Oakland's now for nearly forgotten jazz club the gold nugget yeah he also received his mail for a while at city lights bookstore in north beach <laughs> in san francisco Gettys exactly joint. so this dude's california guy love it and you're getting your mail at city lights bookstore california guy <laughs> now to give you a sense of the man just physically he was a big guy he was he stood about six foot three as a teenager oh yeah so being up in gold country where he was raised in tuolumne he spent his summers working as a logger they so, raise him big out there oh yeah big on big him strong so he would go up there topping trees for timber companies yeah he uh at this time, this is when the lumberjacks were mostly members of the IWW, like uh -huh. in that area. Not mostly, but a lot of them were. Yeah. And that's the industrial workers of the world, a.k.a. the Wobblies. Right. We've talked about them. Now, yeah. when Lord Buckley was a young man, he heard from his fellow Wobbly lumberjacks. They were expressing basically socialist views, very community-minded, all about the people. And so he learned from these guys also about the value of free speech, right? Mm -hmm. So these became core values for him, the people, free speech. And he just carries them forward. Now That's curious because you don't don't imagine lumberjacks with that. You know That's what I mean? True. Like it doesn't. It's like labor organizers yeah, yeah. and talking about the value and of value free of collective speech. action. Yeah. yeah, I like so that. In the twenties, uh, he headed out into the wide open world. Right, he goes out there to make a name for himself, and he's like, you know. Kind of full of himself. So he goes down to Texas. He's working in Galveston. Gets He's in music. Then he goes up to Chicago. He gets a gig working with the, the comedian Red Skelton. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you know him. So he was- Not at, personally. Not but, personally. Yeah. But he was an MC for walkathons during the Depression. Wait, stop. <laughs> you know what walkathons are? Is people would basically walk in huge like ovals or circles. as like usually pairs, like couples would yeah. do it, sometimes individuals. And the last person walking wins. Oh, I was thinking, like, did you ever do the walkathons in elementary school where you, like, someone says, I'll pay oh, yeah, yeah. 10 cents you a lap do, or yeah. whatever, and then you're like, oh, buddy, you got a problem. So that's what it was. You're going to pay basically that. five Yeah, five you're paying. <laughs> I'm only doing a half. Yeah. <laughs> you're in luck. This is a deal for you. Sponsor me. And yeah, they're like, I'll do a quarter a lap. I'm like, oh, you guys are toast. And then I run and, like, 50 feet in, I trip, <laughs> chip out my teeth. <laughs> Knees, skin. That'll be a nickel. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> so they uh, they also had a dance uh, contest. So they're also endurance contests. Yeah, I've seen. You know, yeah. I've seen those like last couple mm-hmm. to drop uh, the last couple standing essentially wins. Yeah, that was uh like those are a lot of fifties movies. Yeah, you know, yeah. You'd see that that was like a thing because it was, it was something that was it was cheap and easy to do in the depression. It didn't take any money and it lasted a long time. Yeah, so it was really popular people, entertainment. People loved peeing their pants. Exactly, they were really into that. They're like, oh, how do I wet my crotch did as people, entertainment? Did people pee their pants in those dance? Contest. All right, but I well, I mean, if you're did. dancing for however many hours, but maybe you're sweating so much that you're just dehydrated That's and you don't good. pee anymore. They're just anymore. leaking out fluids. You don't have any. Yeah. Well, it's like here. that hands on a hard body contest. Hands on. Oh, the oh the car. Where you put your hand on a car <laughs> and the last person. Threw me for a second. <laughs> Go on. It's a contest. You just jump so quickly from peeing to hands on a hard body. I play with myself at the beach. I play it by myself. And then they throw me <laughs> in the slammer. The lifeguards got, ma'am, you cannot ma'am, play that stop. here. There are families. Um, yes. uh, where hands was on I? a hard hands body. Hands on a hard Everybody body. Everybody has to put their hand on what? A Dude, car? On a car. Right? And then the last person standing And then the radio the DJ car. goes, okay, you win. But like, I've never really paid attention to that. Do people soil themselves? I don't know. I do not Is know. Is it an astronaut diaper situation? I would assume that that would be a winning strategy. Doipies. Yeah, you're like, yeah. Oh, I have one less worry. Exactly. But I don't know. I, well, I'm sorry to derail you No, here it's fine. I love talking about, about uh, you know, urine retention. Sure. So Lord Buckley, he was something, uh, he, at this point, basically, my, my, my whole point is he was learning to be a wild man, so he had to entertain these people. He would be like emceeing these dance shows, and he'd get out like a, a rope, and because he's out there for hours trying, he's the one talking. Well, they're all walking yeah, and dancing. Yeah. He's got to keep talking, so he'd be swinging on a rope. Eventually, he'd get like uh, eggs and start pelting dancers with eggs, oh, God. He just, he, and he'd be like really into the devilish chaos he'd be creating, right? So he decides like, I'm into that. This is kind of my thing. So then... I he, do love that in the Depression, he's wasting eggs, but go on. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> they could have been rotten eggs. Who knows? Sure, that's anyway, true. Uh, he's not, he moves from this to the vaudeville circuit. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I should get paid to do chaos. I mean, I'm really good at this. So he starts working all the theaters of the country because vaudeville, every small town had a vaudeville theater. It was mm-hmm. just everywhere. This is at the time when basically we're talking pretty much before radio had become a predominant entertainment. So people, that was the first time people could bring yeah. entertainment into their home. Right. That it wasn't like the player piano or like you got some sheet music. So yeah. at this point you would go out to vaudeville. So he was like, okay, how do I get these people attention and make a name for myself in vaudeville? He becomes this wild man performer. So like, uh, for instance, here's an example of his, um, his nightclub stand-up act, right? Okay. You, you see if you can find the joke in this. Uh-oh. It's kind of a... Well, I'll just tell you a story. So one night, he's working at a nightclub in Chicago, right? Chicago, it was a mob club. It was definitely a mob club. He knew it was a mob club. This wasn't like, oh, I guess these guys own it. No, he right. knew, right? So Lord Buckley, he asked all the well-to-do ladies in this nightclub because the mob clubs were nice. This was not some, like, you know, juke joint. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the nightclub crowd, they're sitting there in fur coats, and he's like, oh, ladies, bring up your fur coats, pile them all into a giant pile in the center of the room and I will do a magic trick. And of course the women are like kind of reluctant. He's like, no, no, no. It'll be an unforgettable magic trick. One you have never seen the likes of. They're like, okay, okay, let's see it. And so a couple of them go up, then a couple other follow. And then eventually there's this pile formed in the middle of the room, right? So there's all these fur coats piled together. And what does Lord Buckley do? He pulls out a can of gasoline. He pours (laughs) it all over all of the pile of fur coats. Then he lights a match. He drops it on the pile of fur coats. Boom! A roaring fire inside the nightclub of all the fur coats. In a mob nightclub. In a mob nightclub. He starts laughing like a pyromaniac and then runs out of the nightclub. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I guess the magic trick is he disappeared. I think that was it. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, it, sur- was, it was memorable. The he magic was- trick is he survived. <laughs> exactly. You know? I got another one for you. This one involves Frank Sinatra. Although he's now a hero to PETA. <laughs> totally. Yeah. PETA would love him. Yeah. His antics. Oh my God. So Lord Buckley gets booked at another nightclub, right? And uh, this night, he had the unenviable job of having to follow Frank Sinatra. And following mm. Frank Sinatra, I yeah. mean, the crowd is just going to be eating out of his hands. So he's like, this is clearly a mistake. Who the hell wants to follow old Blue Eyes? Frank is all over this uh, this show, by the way. Oh, yeah. Friend days. of the show. Yeah. yeah. He's going to show up again later. So anyway, Lord Buckley decides, I'm going to get back to the person who booked me after Frank Sinatra. So Frank is out there. He's singing. Old Blue Eyes is doing his bit. He gets done. The crowd falls quiet. And then the crowd's told, oh, Lord Buckley's coming out next. And I'm like, okay, who's the, well, we'll see about this. Yeah. Comet comes out on the stage. He's wearing like a tuxedo and tails. He's confident. Looks a little bit like a magician, but he's confident. So they're like, okay. Now, he's not nervous at all. And in his hand, he's holding a saw. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So he greets the crowd. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen of the royal court, it's hard to follow Frank. 
But here's a little something to make you think. And what does he do? Lord Buckley proceeds to lay the teeth of the saw against the leather of his shoe, his own shoe, right? Uh-huh. Then he starts sawing back and forth, right? And he cuts through the leather. He's cutting right through the leather. He keeps sawing and sawing. He cuts through his sock, right? And then he keeps sawing. And the teeth now of the saw tear into his skin. Blood comes through the leather, Elizabeth. What? Real blood. He's really doing this. No magic trick. People in the nightclub get sick. Some are throwing up. Some are shrieking in horror. Lord Buckley has the full attention of everyone in the room. <laughs> All eyes are on him, right? It's an early Gigi Allen show. Totally. They oh my all God. trace back. Everything, you'll see how this goes. Okay. He, he pulls the saw from his shoe and he says to the crowd, Thank you. Now you know when you leave here that there's only one name on your lips. And it's mine. Good night and drive safely. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he, made, he made a more memorable show than Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And that, my friend, is Laura Buckley. <laughs> so you can believe it. Like, uh, unlike most comics, he offstage, he was even wilder. Really? Yeah, like his onstage act was kind of tame compared to his normal life. Really? <laughs> so you could say he lived his truth, Elizabeth, offstage uh-huh. and on. <laughs> so in the mid-40s, following the Warriors, Buckley and his wife, they moved to New York, and then they they're, once again, they're in the nightclub scene, they're doing vaudeville. But at this point, vaudeville has been basically fatally wounded by the advent of radio, and then it's being put out of its misery by television. Yeah. At this point, it's on its way completely out, right? right? So he's switched over a whole generation of entertainers like him. They're now doing this dwindling number of nightclub gigs. The mm-hmm. Nightclubs will continue to exist for another 20, 30 years and like a full flourish. So he's got work, right? So, But he still needs to set himself apart from all the other comics, all right? There's, at this point, most comedians in like the early 40s, mid-40s, they're doing Henny Youngman-style jokes, like, take my wife, please, yeah, right? That kind yeah. of stuff. It's all hacky. So his wife tells him, you know, you should do what you do at home. To put, do that on stage. Do that jazz talk you do at home. It was something he called his hip semantic, right? So okay. it was basically a mishmash of street slang, drug talk, backstage <laughs> jazz club talk. And he turned that into his voice, mm-hmm. right? Into his whole act. And in doing so, he creates this persona that basically is one that would inspire generations, right? Yeah. So his one former manager described like what his life was like at this time. You go in and Lenny Bruce would be sitting at Buckley's feet with Charlie Parker and his wife Chan. Bird was in a cast and Lady Buckley was giving him ballet lessons. It was so bizarre. Oh my God. Right? So yeah, he's at the center of epic community of jasmine, hepcats, oddballs, the avant-garde, right? And uh, your people. Yeah, so, basically. <laughs> so the 1950s come around and uh, Lord Buckley decided to go back west and return to California, right? He and his wife relocated to California, the perfect place for a man like him. Do you yeah. know like, what ha- is happening in L.A. at this time? What year? 1950. Yeah, yeah. So we have a huge amount of development going on Oh, completely. LA. And we also have a bunch of like... Uh, so L.A. pretty much gets started with, you know, the the Hollywood industry in the 20s is a big growth for them. And then you get the air, like the airlines aer- and like aerospace, aerospace. And, yeah. and then the, the war industry is mm-hmm. a really big boom from them. So this is a bustling town at this point. Now they've got real estate boom. Yeah. But also you have a town of oddballs and basically the loosely screwed who have been there for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And they're yeah. inviting friends, too. So you have like two L.A.s occurring at yes. the same place. Right. Yeah. Lord Bucky fits right in there. Right. So. Let's take a break. And Mm -hmm. uh, when we get back, I'll tell you about all the crimes that he perpetrated and the crimes done to him. Oh. Yeah. Back in a flash. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. 
And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Elizabeth, where were we? You're talking about uh, L.A. in the 50s, Lord Buckley. What a strange place that was. Jazz cats. Right? Yeah. So we're post-war boom. This is the time when freeways were new, television was taking over the home, TV dinners were invented, the suburbs are being built, occupied by white flight, right? And then there's there's the Red Scare, Civil Rights, Bebop, Marilyn Monroe, the Dodgers left Brooklyn. I sound like Billy Joel. I was just going to say, <laughs> did you start the fire? Yeah. So the Dodgers leave Brooklyn and they move out to where the country felt young and vibrant, L.A., right? Yeah. So... To capture this this whole vibe in, I think, a perfect sentence, uh, in the article for the Los Angeles Magazine that had the headline, King of the Cats, Lord Buckley was a cult hero and atomic age high priest. The writer R.J. Smith, they described mid-century L.A. and uh, how it was a siren call for artists. And yeah. it said, quote, you had the space and the anonymity to build your own Watts Towers and then watch them bake in the sun. Yeah. I just really liked that. Yeah. Okay, so instead of steel towers, Lord Buckley, he builds himself a church. Yeah. Okay, a church? It's a cathedral of the mind. Yeah, yeah. But it's dedicated to the great weirdness of life, and it's L.A.'s newest spiritual home. It's. I mean, it sounds like he's always just a little bit ahead. Yes. So it makes sense that, like, if you go forward— 10, 15 years, you have all of these like cult-like churches popping yep. up in, in LA. LA. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's basically setting the mobile people like, I could do that. Just, I could do that even yeah, better. The blueprint. Yeah, I could get people to kill for me with this model. <laughs> Sorry, I'll leave Charles Manson out of it. Anyway, so he builds a cathedral, right? His cathedral, as I said, is of the mind. And he starts getting work because he's got to, you know, once again, build his reputation, got to put food on the table. So he gets work at jazz clubs. He's working at strip clubs. He's working in coffee houses. He's doing his comedy. Yeah. And wherever he went he delivered these bebop sermons of love and lunacy because remember his wife is now pushing to be more like he is at home so he's yeah. doing lust foot song now and shock and awe and now he's trying to <laughs> connect with people right That's so in reality though we have to, have to you know acknowledge that los angeles as i said was a company town the company was mm-hmm. hollywood it was also a mobbed up town mickey cohen yep. run and stuff city was run by a powerful few basically you know the chandler family a bunch a few names right then you also have it's the fact that it's one of the most segregated cities in america at that time yeah. you don't really think about it but it was like there if you were brown or black you lived south of downtown or east of downtown and mm-hmm. that just was how it was yeah for a so, very long time yeah exactly and so where does lord buckley choose to go he arrives in la sets up his shop as i told you in the jazz clubs nightclubs strip clubs that's that's at work right but for his life where does he go Chavez Ravine. South Central LA. <laughs> he wants to go be down there. And this is like, you know, before Ice Cube and NWA made South Central synonymous with gangster rap. This was a different South Central. This was the 1950s when those houses were new and they looked nice, like a neighborhood. This was like a black paradise, actually. Yeah. You know, They're very adorable much adorable so. houses. Totally, totally. And also there's a huge, on Central Avenue, there's this business district. You get a bustling, segregated black business entertainment district. Lord Buckley goes down there. He thrives. He loves the energy. He loves the people. The people love him. He's in to it. Then hip crowds are coming down there. You got a mixture of like the cool locals, the Hollywood set. It turns into a thing. So he was a gentrifier. He was he was the what gentrifiers are attracted to. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, you can come over here. They're like, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's so, a canary in the gentrifying coal mine. Exactly. So picture this ca- gentrifying canary <laughs> laying out his rap to like basically a bunch of jazz cats in the, the hip youngsters, Hollywood people, and like the black locals who want some entertainment. Yeah. And he'd be out there under the credo that all ladies and gentlemen are lords and ladies may I say 
Good evening, your highnesses. Under the credo that this is not a cabaret or a nightclub, but an absolute factual instant truth, a modern atomic chapel of the natural church of the theater, may I say, welcome to high mass. My lords and my ladies, I recently went on a search for God. I couldn't pin him, so I thought I'd look for his stash. The great, wild, beautiful stashes of love. The elongated. The great liquidity. The great worldwide beauty. The lakes of love called God. What do you think I found God in them? The people. Ain't that a gas? <laughs> so this was the 1950s. At that time, no one talked like that. No. On stage or off hey, for the most part. spoiler alert. No one talks like that ever. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, he's basically doing, like, an impression of the jazz cats he'd be talking to backstage. Yeah, but it's like a cartoon version exactly. of jazz cats. Yeah. Exactly. And, he, and they know it, too. They know that he's not trying to do them in a legitimate way, but he's like, he's doing it in a way that is, like, paying homage to the vibe, right? Yeah, so yeah. he's also basically, as you can tell from the language, he's a hippie before the hippies. He's a beatnik before the beatniks. He is on his own trip before anybody has said these things. Now, when I got here to headquarters today, were yes. you listening to him? Yes, I was. I didn't know what that was I want to get the I voice came right. in. I yes. walked in and I was like, is he listening he has to a the very distinct nappy-headed cadence. Jesus sermon? It's <laughs> exactly. kind of what I thought it was. The Naz. I'll get back into that in a Excellent. second. Okay, Elizabeth, you may also detect there's a certain distinct rhythms and tones of someone who you may say is friendly with the jazz cabbage. Sure. Yeah, right? So the senorita marijuana, she, uh, <laughs> you would be Correct. As uh, one dude, uh, Eldon Sutterholm said, he was a film industry uh, bohemian. He recalled in a 1987 article from the magazine Irregular Quarterly, oh. which I believe you were once a subscriber to that magazine. I was the editor-in-chief. <laughs> okay, so they're still doing well. Anyway, Sutterholm, he recalled Lord Buckley's performances in jazz clubs up on Hollywood Boulevard where the LAPD... They kept a very active vice squad. They had to keep that oh, in sure. check, right? Yeah. So they were always looking to bust old Lord Buckley on marijuana charges. So he'd be like smoking in the club. And so that was not kosher. But yeah. anyway, so as the guy put it, quote, he smoked Paul Malls while he did his act. When O'Grady, the Hollywood vice fuzz, was trying to nail him when he was playing at Jazz City on Hollywood Boulevard, Buckley would put a joint under his foreskin and smoke it in the head before he went on stage because Wait. he liked to be stoned when he worked. The Hollywood vice were trying to get Buckley because he was so upfront about smoking it. Wait, yes, wait, wait, he would wait, hide wait. joints in his crotch. In his foreskin? Yes. Apparently, so it's not even like, oh, I just tuck it in my Apparently he crotch, tuck, he would tuck it pants. up in there because apparently not even the Hollywood Vice Squad Good would check that close. God. So he would sneak a toke in the men's room and then go up on stage. And was it still lit when it was in... No, no, I don't think it was ever lit when it was involved in the crotch. So, but is it like, you know, lit side in? No, I don't like think. The man cut his own foot off. Yeah, he maybe has a high tolerance for pain. Perhaps, Who knows? Perhaps. So he was, he was busted oh. once for pot possession back in 43 in the fair city of Chicago. Now, can you guess which future celebrity would get the charges dropped for him? I'll future give you a hint. Yeah. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, we have a really big show, a really big show for you tonight. Oh. So not the perfect example, but yeah. you get the idea. What's his name? A really big show. Uh, the night, the TV. Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. He had become good friends when they I performed could, like, see together. I could, see his face yeah, in right? my head. It's like Nixon's yeah. brother. That's what it looks like. <laughs> so they performed together during the USO tours of World War II, and so they became real tight. So he gets busted. Ed Sullivan had some, you know some cachet in Chicago. Sure. So you like got him out and I was like, man, Ed Sullivan, you don't really think of it. I would think of him as kind of a square, but you apparently guess. he's getting well, people out of marijuana charges had, in 43. He had a lot of, you know, crazy people on his show. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. He gave us the Beatles as everybody mm -hmm. says, you know, anyway. And really Elvis like. from the waist up. Yeah, exactly. The, what is it, the, the Elvis, the pelvis. Elvis, the pelvis. Right. Okay. So back to LA, Lord Buckley, jazz clubs, nightclubs, LA underground hit. All right. You got all that. Okay, yes. So now he starts leaning hard into his messianic mission to spread the gospel of jazz and love, right? Okay. He, and also he wants to start to critique the state of America because it's the 50s. So he starts calling up to this jazz cabbage version of Jesus that he, the cat that he calls the Naz. The Naz? Yeah, so he uses Not Jesus. Nas, yeah, like the Nazarene. Je oh, Jesus the Nazarene. Got the it, Naz. got it. So he uses the Naz as a critique of modern America. So he, okay. he throws like hipster jazz cat Jesus at America and he does this thing called the Naz where he does the Sermon on the Mount. Now, yeah. if you uh, I'll just give you a little taste of it. Ready? Yes. Well, the Naz looked at them cats and kitties, and the Naz say, 
You hungry, ain't you, babies? And the cats say, yeah, Naz, we was digging so hard what you was putting down. We didn't prepare. We goof, man. Yeah, that's what you call it. So the Naz said, well, uh, we got to take care of easy here. We don't want to go ahead and order up something you might not like, would we? And they said, no, Naz, you put it down and we'll pick it up. And the Naz stepped back a few paces and he said, Oh, great swinging flowers of the field. And they said, Oh, great nonstop singular song to beauty. And the Naz said, Stomp upon the terror. And they hit it. And the Naz said, Lift up your miracle, the body. And the body went up. And they said, Lift up your arms. And the arms went up. He said, Higher. And they went higher. And he said, Dig infinity. And they dug it. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> now, you, you went into a jazz club, and you got that <laughs> as comedy. What would you do? I'd leave. Yeah. A lot of people were critical. <laughs> I'm here for the jazz, They were baby. not ready for that. They were not ready to dig and you're, you're doing a great job. And it was done. Because this is what I, like, I heard... Like I said, when I got here today, I heard I heard you listening to this. Yeah. This is exactly what it sounds like. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. I wanted it's to get amazing. the voice right. So as Lord Buckley is laying down his Jesus rap and his reefer rants, mm-hmm. offstage, his life is getting even wilder. So, oh, wow. Yes, he's, he's actually getting calmer on stage. Oh, so he's on the road a lot, right? So it uh, leads to a lot of antics. I'll give you another sample. This uh, crown prince of chaos. Hits. Uh, he's basically friends with Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra keeps giving him gigs, hooking yeah. up with him. He really likes him. He, like Frank Sinatra has a wild sense of humor, as you can probably tell from some of his later Vegas stuff. Yeah. But in the fifties, he's also kind of a little bit blue. So like he was really into laughing. Like yeah. he needed a good laugh. So yeah. somebody wild who could take him off his mind was great. So he would have Buckley around all the time. Well, one time, according to Lord Buckley's manager, quote, Buckley led sixteen nude people through the lobby of the Royal Hawaiian, where Sinatra was performing. Sinatra had got him the job. When he learned of this caper, he phoned Buckley. It's the funniest thing I ever heard. Just don't ask me for any more favors. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was also the Hearst promotion in Chicago. There's a comedian, uh, Adam Keith. He remembered a time that Buckley was ginning up the crowd for the night because he got to pack them in. So he goes out there. He's like, I can get some attention. What's he yeah. do to get attention? Quote, Buckley was working in a Chicago club, the Suzy Q. He'd hired an open-backed Hertz and was lying in an open coffin in the back of the Hearst. There was a big sign that said, the body comes alive at the Suzy Q. And he's lying there in the coffin, smoking a joint, riding around Chicago. Oh, my God. (laughs) So that's how he ginned up time. Anyway, so he gets back home to L.A. off the road, right? And he likes to hold forth and let the madness come to him. So he starts gathering up this courtier of oddball characters, right? At this point, he relocated to a house in Topanga Canyon. Mm -hmm. So apparently Topanga Canyon has long been a draw for the outcasts and the weirdos. So there was this dude, an artist, Bob DeWitt, who operated a health food store. And in his store, he had a little stage. So he's like, you can come up here. You can do your show here. You don't need to go down to the strip clubs. He's like, oh, maybe I'll do that. So he's going to go up there and basically start his church in this natural health food store. Bob DeWitt also has like a house for him. So he's like, yeah, just live in the... So they set him up in this house and they decorated it all with like red velvet fabric inside. It, they, it was insane. They called it the jewel box because it looked like the inside of a jewel yeah. box. Anyway, Bob DeWitt, he gave an interview much later in life. At that point, he was like a 92-year-old man. But the person who interviewed him took time to note his t-shirt on his t-shirt it said i had a ball at the testicle festival oh god so a 92 year old man who has that shirt gives you a sense of who this guy is right god bless i love it so he was too happy to have lord buckley in his neighborhood so he welcomed the church of the living swing that's what buckley was calling it and this becomes also a problem for the neighborhood because now he's brought the attention of the lapd because lapd were like we don't like that swing and they were trying to keep everything like you know dragnet joe friday la so as dewitt recalled, quote, it wasn't like the Methodist church. This was the headquarters of the Church of the Living Swing. And if I have to explain swing to you, well, it's just too late. Buckley, he didn't have a routine. Everything was so fresh, it would scare you. And it scared the cops because they didn't know what was going on. We were under constant pressure from the cops. But they didn't let it stop them. No, they just kept no. smoking pot and doing their thing. <laughs> so DeWitts, they would operate a light show down at Topanga Canyon. You know how it's like a valley filled with like trees and that stuff? Yeah. Well, they would have that canyon lit up with lights and colors from like plates of glass with inks poured over oh, them. Oh, yeah. Like a very 60s psychedelic light shows, show. They're yeah. doing that in the 50s. And they're wow. doing that like, so they're dappling the canyon with colored lights. And they're sitting up there getting twisted on peyote, high on homegrown pot, and drunk on tequila, having a good old time oh, doing all 
all this, right? <laughs> Talking about the mysteries of the cosmos, right? Oh, so they particularly liked the effects of peyote, which at that time was still legal. Oh, okay. Yeah, so his, he had his friend Mel Wells, and he'd tell them how they he said, quote, we all had access to peyote. It wasn't on the narcotics code at first. There was a place called Exotic Gardens in El Paso, Texas, and you could buy a crate of peyote for $5, and they would <laughs> ship it to you. They'd send the whole cactus. You'd have to cut the buds off and boil them down. Crate of peyote. So after his time, you know, tripping uh, wild in Topanga Canyon, Lord Buckley and his expanding family moved into a large house on Whitley Avenue in Hollywood. Right. So mm-hmm. now this is where he creates what he calls his his royal court. So Mel Wells, the friend, he says he tells it the royal court was a very serious thing to him. Throne and all, he had a throne in every house he ever had, a real throne, a magnificent chair. The castle up on Whitley Terrace in Hollywood, it wasn't really a castle. It was a nice house, a big house on top of a hill, but what made it the castle was Buckley's treatment of it. Uh-huh. So just like his hip soirees back in New York where Charlie Parker would swing through, in L.A. he recreates that same vibe, but just with a slightly different crowd. Yeah. But rather than tell you about Elizabeth, I'd like you to close your eyes. My eyes are closed. And picture it. You are a plastic parrot. You are affixed to the shoulder of the legendary Hollywood tough guy actor Robert Mitchum. Oh, God. You are currently enjoying the feel of the wind from the velocity of a speeding car, a top-down convertible as it winds up the Hollywood hills. The car comes to a stop outside a somewhat ramshackle mansion. It looks somewhat like Norma Desmond's place in the Billy Wilder movie Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Robert Mitchum steps out of his car. The door closes. You go with him since you are affixed to his shoulder. Now, he had some of the costume people in the studio lot doll him up in a pirate costume. He'd heard that the party was a costume party, but he should have listened better. What he actually was told was, it's like a costume party. So he shows up in costume that not everybody else will be wearing one. Anyway, there you are on his shoulder. You and Robert Mitchum stroll up to the front door, which is wide open. Pot smoke, cigarette smoke mixes and wafts out of the home. It's like silver fingers of smoke pawing at the air. Robert Mitchum stops dead when he spies the host of this soiree, the king of the underground scene, Lord Buckley. Dressed in a tuxedo with tails and a kingly robe, he's also holding a bullwhip and cracking it in the air with a sinister menace. Oh, no. Lord Buckley's whip sings again, splitting the air with a snap. Then he bellows, show us a talent and you will gain entry. No, but he sees you and he heads over and he hands the whip to someone else, instructs them to take over, and he hops down from the gilded chair he was standing on. He swans over to you and really more to Robert Mitchum. And he <laughs> greets Robert Mitchum warmly and he invites him into what he calls his castle. Now, inside, the party's at full swing. Drinks are in hand, joints are smoking, laughter periodically punctuates the air. From your perch on Robert Mitchum's shoulder, you take in the scene. You see a heavy set drag queen named Tubby Boots performing a tassel dance. Nice. It's mesmerizing. You also spot Mink Head, a circus clown in full face paint and drunken revelry. Oh, there's the stripper instructor, Cosmo, and some C-list Hollywood actors on the make that you recognize. Robert Mitchum accepts a joint from someone, takes a few puffs. He's led further into this party. Lord Buckley wants him to see the quartet that's swinging in the back. You push through the thick velveteen curtains, and you are greeted by the blare of a trumpet. The music is cooking. The quartet features legends Benny Carter and Chico Hamilton. You and Robert Mitchum chill there for a bit, and you dig on the syncopated rhythms. Now, Lord Buckley is called away. There's some matter about the bathtub. You and Robert Mitchum keep listening to the jazz. Now, a little while later, Robert Mitchum clomps up the back stairs, and he goes up to the second level to go look for Lord Buckley, and you spy a room full of half-nude but face-painted birthday clowns doing what seems to be some type of yoga. It's not sexual. It's not even sexy. It just looks like a, like a form of clown therapy. You mm-hmm. look away. You shake off that image as Robert Mitchum tucks his head into a bathroom, and there in the bathtub is Lord Buckley holding court. In his kingly fashion, there are roughly 15 people all crammed in the tiny, tiled room. Lord Buckley is entertaining them all. He's veiled in pot smoke, mid-jazz riff, waxing poetic about the value the cosmic swing babies now robert mitchum thanks him for the invite says he'll catch him at the jazz spot next time he prefers the music not the scene he turns to go but has to wait as a woman riding a donkey wearing a sombrero squeezes past in the hallway once the donkey is gone he takes the stairs and pushes through the crowd makes it back outside where the noise falls away he shakes his head to himself about what he just witnessed. He relights the, some joint he was handed. Then he reaches up, pulls you from his shoulder. He doesn't chuck you, though. Instead, he sort of gently sets you down on a stone bench just outside the door. You watch as Robert Mitchum strolls back down to his convertible, and the stoned pirate drives off into the Hollywood night. 
Amazing. So there you go. A day at Lord Buckley's, or I <laughs> guess a night. So <laughs> I wanted you to feel it. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll give you a chance here to shake that off. Thank uh, you. Let's we'll take a break. And after that, I'll come back and I've got some more criminality for you. Excellent. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Elizabeth. Hey, what's up? And we're back, babies. Are we? Yeah, we are. Look awesome. at us. You, me, and Lord Buckley. Yes. But typically, after one of those parties that you just experienced, uh, the next morning, after his royal court had drained out of his home, Lord Buckley would walk out onto the back balcony of his mansion, typically stark naked. <laughs> Sometimes he would spot his neighbor, the actress Bula Bondi. Uh, she's Jimmy Stewart's mother in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, so okay, yeah, yeah. She would look over and see him as he, and he would sing to her and wave, and then and he's naked, and he's naked. Does he's, he have a joint in his ding ding? No, no, that's only for when he's working. Oh, got it. So yeah, and he'd sing out, and this was a song apparently he sung almost every morning. I dig Hollywood every moment, every moment I dig it. Why do I dig Hollywood? Because all my friends are here. My God, worst neighbor ever. <laughs> Just turn a hose on him constantly. So this madcap comic, King of the Underground, as I pointed out, he had an ever-expanding family. He was also a father. So inside these homes, oh, the small children. There are children in this home? During all these parties and romps, With there are small children With a donkey children wearing a sombrero? So, he, but he apparently shielded them from all the shocks How? Of, of his, in his friend's way of life. How? You have, like, naked <laughs> clown wrestling, and everyone's... <laughs> Smoking drugs. It's worse than that. And and sipping drugs. (laughs) One thing, his son Richard, he said that, uh, someone asked me basically your question, what is it like having Lord Buckley as your dad? He's like, well, Red Fox was my babysitter. Okay, well, there you go. He just twitches all day. (laughs) Red Fox as your babysitter. Elizabeth, it's a big one. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. So, yeah, but apparently, according to Richard the Sun, despite the Red Fox of it all, he said uh, that his father was actually kind of a stern dad at home. So, okay, well, I find that hard to believe. How many children did he have? Multiple. Just. Kids. It's like a bag of them. Yeah, it's got a slew. He's got like, you know, 10 head a of kids. A bevy of children, Elizabeth. <laughs> so, what is it? Three to four? Three to four kids. He's got three to four kids. So, his daughter, Lori, one of the three to four, she said, quote, my brother and I were so well-behaved children. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. Very well-mannered. They often say that we were so perfect that the people who met us would go home and beat their children because they'd say, why aren't you like those Buckley children? It was required simply because we traveled around in the business up all hours and you couldn't just be disorderly children and make the gig. So it was very important to my parents that we were well-behaved as we were traveling constantly. We were so straight in such a wild world. When they smoked marijuana, they never said what it was. Not that we cared. We just knew that everybody was very happy. Huh. Now, I can say as somebody who was raised somewhat similarly, 
I definitely knew what pot smelled like by the time I was five. Uh-huh. I could identify it <laughs> immediately, right? Uh-huh. So I don't know what Lori's saying because, like, I knew more than they're all happy. I knew, like, yeah. oh, my pop and his friends are you know, like, getting lifted. I feel like Lori and her three to four siblings mm-hmm. were maybe kept in a dungeon in the basement. No, from everything I read, they really do. They don't, like, a lot of these, you know, children of famous people, they'll, they will both love and be critical of their parents. Yeah. You don't get that with from them. Right, but I'm just thinking, too, when you have someone who's on the edge like that, and mm-hmm. then they have all the freaky-deaky hangers-on, yeah. it's the freaky-deaky hangers-on that I don't oh, trust. Oh, they're the danger, yeah, Yeah, or like who show the yeah, kids not the things parent, that they the, shouldn't see. Who the parent see. does not realize they're bringing Precisely. around their children. And then it's just like, well, if you're going to live that life, why did you have kids? Kids are wonderful, Elizabeth. That's how you make more people. <laughs> if you love the people, that's how you do it. I'm over here making more that's of the people. That's how I validate my existence. I make it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. That's a fair question. You know, I just. Uh, well, so no. we've talked peyote. We've talked pot. We've talked parenting. Uh, also, <laughs> yeah. Lord Buckley was an early psychonaut. Yeah. Yeah. He was part of the original acid tests uh-huh. because, of course, he was. Of co- I, mean, I mean, yeah. It would have been derelict of science to not I was going to say, if you said he wasn't, I'd be like, there's a problem yeah. here. So the year at this point, 1959, uh-huh. Lord Buckley, he walks into Club Renaissance, which was located where the House of Blues used to be on Sunset Boulevard. Okay. There was a coffee house at the time. So there he meets this dude named Oscar Janiger, or Janiger, and he is actually a doctor. And he was a colleague of Timothy Leary. He was also studying the effects of this relatively new compound called LSD. Yeah. So at the time, Dr. Janiger was uh, holding acid sessions as a therapist in L.A., right? So he's working with Cary Grant, Anais Nin, the pianist Andre Previn. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't know if you know this, but Cary Grant, huge fan of the acid. Yeah, I've yeah, heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He, atta- he told reporters at the time, I've been born again. There came a day when I saw the light. Huh. I probably should have done that in a more Cary Grant voice. I realized no, after I said it, but whatever. I know. Works. There you go. So one day, Dr. Janiger, he holds a group acid session and he invites Lord Buckley up to a cabin at Lake Arrowhead. And there with him is the actor James Coburn. So, okay. yeah, big, tall, quiet guy. So, Lord Buckley and James Coburn, they uh, they trip out on acid <laughs> together in this cabin. And Lord Buckley actually, uh, he recorded some thoughts on the trip, like uh, some notes. And so, apparently, these are his recollections. LSD, first trip by Richard Lord Buckley, ordinary seaman. On the good ship, lovely soul, detonator under the command of Fleet Admiral Oscar Janiger, head detonator and head head. (laughs) My whole body was jingling with alert signals. This is going to be one mother of a takeoff. Hang on. It felt like a soul pressure. I felt strong. I felt words shooting out of me like projectiles, acres of untapped Sound while waiting to be put in the gun of expression. <laughs> so that, imagine doing acid with Lord Buckley. Just, you it, would probably hang yourself. He you would probably just be like exhausting. <laughs> oh yeah, no. But I've in been told any you, in any circumstance, whatever you're doing, if he's there, he's exhausting. Is what it sounds like. Just wait. According to and Dr. Like, Janiger, this trip lasted 18 hours. They were all in this cabin oh, for 18 no. hours while he's talking about the cosmic mysteries of my, oh my pop gun, God. loaded up with the words I've never said on tap. Ah. Oh my God. <laughs> so he does Jeez, this. It's nightmarish. Uh, this un. An unscripted jazz improvised comic acid rant. And Dr. Janiger said later on, I've never seen a human being continuously expound on a variety of subjects in such a refreshing, interesting way over such a long period of time without ever repeating himself. It was a virtuoso performance. See, you're just encouraging, doctor. <laughs> doctor, stop Don't it. encourage Hit him. him on his hand. Doctor, doctor, <laughs> don't say these things in public. So eventually, during this 18-hour trip, someone phoned down the mountain, and they asked for a tape recorder to be brought oh, up. Oh, no. So Jim Macy was there that day, and he said, quote, So I called up a friend of mine and said, you got to get a tape recorder to me. We got Buckley up here, and he's going 90 miles an hour. It's too good. We got to record it. So the friend borrowed a recorder, drove up to Lake Arrowhead. Lord Buckley was still holding forth because we're only somewhere in the middle of the 18 hours. The tapes were later then handed over to a Lord Buckley confidant who reportedly gave them to Lord Buckley and who over time apparently lost them. So this great masterwork, his greatest oh. work was lost to time. His greatest performance, perfect legacy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a one time. You had to be there, man. You just had to be there. So much like me, a big hero of Lord Buckley was Abraham Lincoln. Now, I know Lincoln was flawed, I, but sure. I, I still like him, right? And Everyone's Lord Buckley, flawed. he lionized America's greatest president. Like, huh. that was my man. I'm a Lincoln cat. So he saw him as the great liberator. And he said, as such, he wanted his modern audience to revere 
honest Abe as much as he did. So yeah. he worked him into his act, right? So he's got Jesus. He's got Lincoln. He did a hip semantic version of the Gettysburg Address. He opened it up with jazz paraphrasing. He's like, four big hits and seven licks ago. Hour before daddy's swung forth upon this sweet, groovy land. <laughs> before daddy's? And he proceeds to recreate the whole speech in jazz cat talk. Uh-huh. I won't do the whole thing, but I'll just do the, the last little bit. Okay. We here want it stuck up straight for all to dig that these departed studs shall not have split in vain and that this nation under the great swinging lord shall swing up a whopper of endless Mardi Gras and that the big law by you straights from you cats and for you kitties shall not be scratched from the big race. And there's why I'm a Lincoln cat. Exhausting. He loved Lincoln so much he made his children memorize the Gettysburg Address. Oh wow! And then memorize his version too. Oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> they had to also put up with. He was apparently a madly patriotic guy. He would drive around L.A. in a big bright red car, top down, with an American flag flapping over him like he was a car dealership. His kids hated that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> his friend uh, Mel Wells, the guy who keeps uh, keep quoting, he said, "Quote: He was definitely a patriot. He adhered to the idea that our founding fathers recognized that." They were part of something bigger than themselves. He used to say that a lot. He thought America and the principles for which it stands in the world was something that was bigger than any of us. Before it was popular, there was always a flag on the wall in his house. He was very much in admiration of people who were true patriots. I'm with him on that. You yeah. know me. I, I, yeah, yeah. I was raised that way. So a large part of his patriotism was based in the First Amendment, the right of the freedom of speech, as I yeah. said with the, the lumberjack wobblies back in the day. He held the First Amendment sacred. So as Los Angeles Magazine, they put it in one of their articles, Lord Buckley was, quote, instinctively a believer in the notion that rights withered away if you didn't test their limits. He asserted his rights with the weapon at his disposal, a love of the American voice. Hmm. Yeah, so people basically talk about his American voice, but I think it's important that we point out that it was basically the voice of the marginalized people, yeah. outcasts, artists, minorities. He was the voice of the great weirdness of life, yeah. which I think is you know, important. Yeah, anyway, definitely. So as the 50s draw to a close, Lord Buckley, he went back out on the road, and he and his aide-de-camp, this dude who uh, had been named Prince Louis Foremaster, he set out to cross-country in a VW microvan. Can you imagine being stuck no. in a microvan? No, no, <laughs> no, no, like no, no. Acid, no. Like, oh, God, no. When do we get to Muncie? Anyway, the rumor has it that Lord Buckley was in ill health, Mm -hmm. and he may have suffered a stroke in Chicago, but anyway, they continue on to New York. He books a gig in a nightclub in Greenwich Village. He goes up on stage at the Jazz Gallery. The New New York PD busts into the club. The cops from the NYPD Vice Division, they go up on stage, and they drag Lord Buckley off stage and arrest him for violation of what? The cabaret card code. Oh, Do you know about yeah. the cabaret card? Yeah. So that was a way for the city fathers to regulate the nightlife in New York. And they, they kind of did like a morality police thing. So yeah. it was a relic of like the days of prohibition. So the cabaret card was awarded by the city. It could be denied to any performer who's ever accused of being immoral. Yep. So Lord Buckley, obviously, was he had an arrest for public drunkenness on his record that they used as a scapegoat. And this was from his time in Reno in like the 40s but they're like oh yeah that's enough and so his cabaret card uh, was pulled basically right now Millie Vernon she was a jazz singer at the time she said quote that Sinatra didn't play a New York nightclub again until the cabaret card law was finished Lady Day couldn't play in New York Monk Bird it was disgraceful we went down to get fingerprinted for our cabaret cards once and Art Blakey was sitting down there at the police station what an indignity it was terrible wow yeah right so Lord Buckley he's up against the while facing actual time behind bars and doesn't know what to do. So he phones his wife. And this, would unfortunately, would become their last phone call. Mm. Lord Buckley asked Lady Buckley, what do you want me to do, baby? Stay here and fight this thing or come home. She's like, come home. Yeah. Now, Lord Buckley, he couldn't just walk away from this fight because he's, you know, he's up against the squares and he wants to, like, be, you know, be the guy, do it for the people. So for the outcast, the artist, right? So he gets up there. He's, maybe his heroes are Jesus and Lincoln. You can see where this is going. Yeah. His fight would cost him his life. Yeah. So Lord Buckley out on bail on the morning of November 12th He's told by his aide de camp uh, that he, he tells him that he's not he's not feeling well. Like, mm-hmm. The aide de camp has got plans for the day. He's like, I don't know, I, I'm not feeling well. So he's I like, wonder why. I'm, I'm struck by the bug bird. That's what he called like, being uh-huh. sick, the bug bird. <laughs> so he uh, he tells tells Prince Lewis, uh, you know, uh, let me lay down a bit, right? Prince Lewis gets a little worried, so he calls his old friend Ed Sullivan. He's like, Ed, Ed, I don't know if Lord Buckley's going to be all right, right? Ed's like. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll call the I'll call it nine one one, right? So Ed yeah. Sullivan calls nine one one. Lord Buckley, the ambulance gets there. They take him to the hospital. He passes away that night, mm-hmm. right? Now, 
the Ken Kesey, uh, we need to do a show on him sometime. I think so, anyway, most definitely. He summed up the counterculture of America and Lord Buckley's place in it. He said, Lord Buckley is a secret thing that people pass under the table. You ask writers who they think is the best writer, and they all mention someone above them. Gradually, you get up at the top and you get to Samuel Beckett, and not many people have read him. But a lot of people have been influenced by Beckett. I think the same was true of Lord Buckley. There were a lot of people influenced by Lord Buckley who never even heard his material. Mm. So yeah, being who like and how he was, and after he passed, rumors start swirling about him. And I think he would have found the rumors amusing because, for one, there was talk that it wasn't illness, but instead black Muslims did him in. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a very black rumor. <laughs> I think it's a very, it's a very rumor. jazz cat rumor. It's everything yes. you want. So there was also a rumor that a counterfeiter betrayed him and that he was poisoned. Also, again, by, a counterfeiter. by the counterfeiter okay. or the counterfeiter's agents. And then there was even talk that some unknown person hit him with like a karate chop that ruptured an organ and he died later. And so you can be like, oh, man, do you hear how Lord Buckley died? Oh, no. How did he die? Oh, you didn't hear? Yeah, he, he died from Kung Fu grip. <laughs> so, <anyway. laughs> Kia, Kia. <laughs> After he passed away, he becomes this cause celebre. So the Manhattan media types, they all band together and declare that the, the cabaret car, because they blame that for his passing yeah. away, as an antique tool of repression. And they demand that the cabaret card code be rescinded. Journalists, jazz men, comics, folk singers, they all rally together, inspired by Lord Buckley. And in the end, New York abolished the cabaret card so then Frank Sinatra could come back. Nice. <laughs> but anyway, after his memorial service, Dizzy Gillespie and Ornette Coleman were there and together they basically played his musical eulogy and played into the small hours of the morning. Oh, wow. Blowing him some of that cosmic blues, baby. Swing it. Wow. Now I'll leave you with my favorite quote of Lord Buckley. Yes. All right. Now, and I quote, Before I leave you, I'd like to say to you, People are what it is all about. They are Mother Nature's brightest flower, her sweetest, purest, most elevating thing that ever was. You are groovy flowers in a garden where I am privileged to stand and share a few moments with you. Dig, and it was dug. That's awesome. <laughs> so there you go. That's it. That's all I got for you. What's our ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? I think my ridiculous takeaway is that I'm so grateful for, for Lord Buckley and people like Lord Buckley mm-hmm. who imbue so much into the culture and that you can kind of go and take bits from and you see. It's a lot if you're <laughs> with that person or like around them a lot. Like, I think I just... Road tripping with them would be a bit I tough. just vibrated a much lower frequency, I think. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but again, I'm really like, I'm grateful because you can see as you're telling the story, I can see like the tendrils that crawl into the culture. You can see the the Robin Williams of it all. Oh, totally. That's where he totally. got his voice for the, uh, the genie in Aladdin. It's an impression of Lord Buckley. Yeah. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah. So anyway, you'll start you start to now that you know who Lord Buckley is, you'll start to see him in the culture cropping and creeping. Definitely. Doing his thing, babies. No, what is what is your ridiculous takeaway? My ridiculous takeaway is I really should have done that in a a, a Cary Grant voice. I think that's (laughs) I'm still thinking about that. Like, why didn't I have that ready? I didn't even think about that. Elizabeth, I may blew that one. That's all right. Anyway, so <laughs> now he's Australian. <laughs> Australian Cary Grant. <laughs> That's so, not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> you guys always, you can find us online, Ridiculous Crime, Twitter, Instagram, Threads. Check it. Uh, email us if you'd like. Uh, care of Ridiculous Crime at gmail.com. Uh, write it to Elizabeth. Now, give us also <laughs> talkbacks on the iHeart app. Uh, we dig those. And um, there you go. That's all I got for you. Hope you dug it. And uh, catch you next time. Dig. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by the Dukes of the Ones and Twos, David Kustin. Research is by Queen Marissa Brown and Empress Andrea Song Charpentier. Our theme song is by the part-time exotic dance teachers, Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. The host's wardrobe provided by Bobby 500. Executive producers are Ben, Lord Buckley lives, Bolin, and Noel, if you say so, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.